of the word of God. And many times we run off from it because we do not want to hear what the word of God really is stating to us. And yet we have need of it. It's important that you and I come to a place that we totally surrender to the word. And that in doing so we are able to allow the word of God to speak to our hearts. Waiting for this to start up. But let me share something with you. How many of you believe the word? You really believe it? You really believe it? Elaine and I, we were watching one of the religious stations the other night, and we were watching uh, this thing about the end times. It was a movie. But the movie was very interesting. In this manner, all of our computers and all our little gadgets that they have today, the Antichrist somehow was able, that visual stuff that you put on your head, you know, and, and so forth, and these things you put in your ears. The Antichrist in the movie was able to use modern technology. And somehow it pulled the person into the computer or the screen with them. And the next thing you know that if you were in a wheelchair, you was up walking. If you were blind, you was able to see. But then what takes place is this person comes and ask you certain questions about Jesus Christ. And then ask you if you will denounce Christ. And if you could denounce Christ, you would have all what you see while you're captivated in the computer sense. And the whole process comes down that the people were caught up with this. And amazing that they got what they wanted. But the condition was to accept 666. Now, maybe I am old-fashioned, but I don't think you'll beat this. Um, the computer is great. I have a brother that preaches from his computer up in the pulpit. I mean, he got that little tab thing. Go on, girl. <laughs> don't let Satan pull you in there now. We don't want to go looking for you. And uh, But to take the notes, make sure you're able to take the notes. Make sure that when the Holy Spirit can speak to you, you can jot down alongside of your Bible, your book, Make sure you're able to do that. And make sure you get back into the word of God itself. Make sure that, that you're able to do that. Because it's so important to be able to do it. And we want to be able to understand that, yes, it is something that you have to be willing to do. You have to be willing to do.
to get into God's word. One of the things that's hurting Christianity today is that we're not willing to get into biblical truth. We have to get into biblical truth. We have to be desirous to get into the Bible. We have to want to do that and really be a part of it. Well, should we stand together? Because with the Word of God, and this is what we're here for. We gather to worship God. We learn His Word and incorporate it into our lives. We portray the character of Christ as a servant. We influence others by showing His love and compassion. And we pray for each other and our community. Amen. Again, yesterday allowed that to be so true. And I hope that you pray for those that were here yesterday. Continue to pray for them. And I pray that we will see some of them. We never know what God is going to do. The Bible teaches us what we need to know about God and our relationship with him. The Bible does. It teaches us what we need to know concerning God. And it helps us to understand who we are. The question before the church in this age and in this generation is simply this. Do we believe the Bible is able to teach us? Do we really believe that? That the Bible is able to teach us. One of the reasons that many churches do not carry Bibles any longer or bring anything in where they can see Scripture because most of the church does not believe that the Scriptures are true or infallible or for this age in which we are living. So why are we going to church? Why are we going to church? As believers, we have a choice. We have this choice to believe God's word or not to believe it. To believe it or not to believe it. That's our choice. But in choosing not to believe it, we have chosen to believe man. When you choose not to believe the word of God, you choose to believe man. Why? Because you're going to gather your information and your knowledge from somewhere to give you purpose or reason for why you believe what you believe or do what you do. That knowledge is coming from somewhere. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. Because we're going to gather our information from somewhere. We're going to be directed by somebody. Uh, people are going to direct your lives. And either you're going to believe God or you're going to choose to believe man. It's one or the other. There's no in between. 
Picking up in verse 19 of Acts 4, he said, But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. And that's always the choice. Do I obey God or do I obey man? That's always our choice. And it's always before us. Am I going to obey God or am I going to obey man? That's always our choice. And that is coming more and more real today for many of us. Especially as the government sets certain things in place and this is happening in the school, this is happening about family structure and so forth, we're going to see more and more we have to come to a place, are we going to believe man or are we going to believe God? Are we going to obey what man says or are we going to do what God says? Then in that verse 20 it says, For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Are you in that position? Did you hear what Vic said? I'll never forget what the Lord has done for me. I'll never forget what the Lord has brought me through. I'll never forget the position God has set me in. I'll never forget the doors that God opened for me. And guess what the Lord said to the Israelites as they're going into the promised land? Don't forget who? Me. Don't forget me. Because it's very easy for us as a people to forget God. Very easy. When things get going well and we hit our plateau of the mountaintop and we're living well and doing well, who needs God? We need to come to understanding that the Bible is here for a purpose. It is here to educate us. It is here to teach us. And we choose to either listen to God or listen to man. Go to John chapter 6. St. John chapter 6. And all I want you to catch is the word no. And the, the process is that he wants you to know. God does not expect his people to be ignorant, but one of the things that are hurting the church today is that we're biblically, biblically illiterate. We don't have knowledge in our head about the word of God. And the psalmist says that I hid the word where at? In my heart. In my heart. That I might not even sin against God. But that is there and is there for a purpose. Picking up in verse 68, he says, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe. And no, now, now I want to put those two things together. We believe. A lot of people believe, but they really don't know what they believe in. They believe, but they have no knowledge about what they're believing in. People believe a lot of things, but cannot explain what they believe, and all that they can say is, I believe. 
And you should be able to explain from a biblical perspective of why you believe and who you believe in. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. We know it. We know it. We know it. We believe him. We know him. We know him in light of scripture. We believe and we know. We're not a people who just believe, but we believe with knowledge. We believe with understanding. We believe with wisdom that comes from on high. We're not just a people who believe. For the demons believe. The angels believe. Elaine and I was having a discussion and she asked a question about the demons speaking out when Jesus was close by and Jesus would command them to be quiet. Well, the angels, those fallen demons, they knew who Jesus was. Even though he had taken on flesh. They knew Jesus. And they acted accordingly. With respect and reverence for him. And the whole process is that we're saying we know Jesus, but how much do we really know about him? And the only way you're going to really learn about him and know about him is through the scripture. And John said, I know. I know. And again, all you're going to do is either choose between God and man's wisdom. Turn back to uh, 1 Corinthians. In verse 25. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 25. He simply says, For the foolishness... For the foolishness of God is wiser than men's wisdom. The foolishness of God is wiser than an Einstein. The, the foolishness of God is far above any intellectual man. His foolishness. And yet we settle for the wisdom and the intellect of man rather than the knowledge of God. And we believe man's word before we believe God's word. And as the people of God, we got to pick up this book anew and afresh and go at it as though we've never read it before. Because believe it or not, you are living in the last days. You're living in some terrible times. You're living in a time where you might see that the Bible is no longer printed. The Bible is not really something that is relevant or believed on. And understand this today. The Christian church is not growing in America as it should or it ought to. We're losing more members. And we have lost generation upon generation. And there's generations who have never even entered into church. And America needs an awakening to the word of God. Spiritual truth is not well known by many people who call themselves saints or believers or Christians. 
biblical truths are not well known. We're, we're quick to catch little f- phrases and, and little sayings that come out. So we can all greet each other. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. We're quick to pick that up, but that's not the word of God per se. And we comment in a way that, boy, uh, is saying, I'm a Christian. I'm blessed. I'm spiritual. I'm holy. I'm this. I'm, I'm blessed. But to go any further than I'm blessed, we're in trouble. Because as you begin to talk to the person about the Lord or about biblical truths, they're not familiar, familiar with them. Spiritual truth is not well known. Go to Acts 17, 22. Acts 17, 22. You and I have to dive into this book and begin to eat of this book and drink of this book and stay in this book. We allow anything and everything to separate us from this book. So wonder that at times Bible study on Wednesday at every church is way down because very few people desire to really learn the word of God. But yet that is the time for discussion. That is the time to challenge each other. That is the time we can really learn. We don't do that in this setting per se. But in a Bible study setting, that is the time to ask the questions. That is the time to dive into a word. That is the time to challenge one another. In Bible study last week, one asked, what does the word reka mean? And I knew it had to do something with foolish, foolishness, but I couldn't get it all because in the same verse it talks about don't call your brother a fool. So I went home, got my Bible dictionary, got the Greek out and so forth and started looking it back up because you don't remember everything anymore. And what it is is senseless. It's an Aramaic word that Jesus used. That means senseless or empty. Which is the same thing as the fool. Someone who is senseless or empty of knowledge. In Acts 17, 22, he says, Paul then stood up in the meeting at the Arapicus, at the Arapicus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. Now, that's what we want most people to think about us. That we're religious. Let me share something with you. Religiosity will not get you into heaven. You can be as religious as you want to be. And a lot of religious folks are very hard to teach. Because they made up in their own mind what they're going to believe. And they don't go into the word to see if what they are believing is correct or not. But they're religious because they believe in God. Well, Satan believes in God and he trembled. The whole process is this. Being religious doesn't get it. And it says, boy, we're very religious. Well, what does that mean? Being religious and ignorant is where many of us are. We're ignorant of God's word, though we are very religious. And people see us as religious. 
And we do religious things. And every now and then we say religious things. We wear big old crosses on them. And everybody that get up at the award ceremonies, boy, they're religious, but don't know a thing about God. But they thank Him, they praise Him, point up to Him. And some of their movies, they're jumping from bed to bed, and the way they read, if they read Scripture, they'd find out they're, supposed, they're not supposed to act that way. Not supposed to talk that way. And it says, I see that in every way you are very religious. And that's all we want to be known as is very religious. That many people pass. But see, we're called to be more than religious. We're called to be followers of Christ. We're called to be the people of God. We are called to be the doers of God. We're called to be the salt and the light. We're called to be the walking Bible because Paul says that we are his written epistles. We're called to be much more. We're called to hide the word of God in our heart. We're called to a path of righteousness. We're called to a higher plane to walk on the roads of holiness. We're called to something much more higher than just being religious. In Romans 10 too. Paul begins to talk about his own people. And we can say that even about ourselves today. He says, for I can testify about them that they are zealous. And you have a lot of people who are zealous. Boy, if you come sit in the wrong seat, people will fight you in church about sitting in their seat. They'll get very zealous. You cut in on line for them when the church, when we're having a potluck, Boy, you cut in line on them, they become very zealous. But you ask somebody to pray, we lose our zealousness. You ask somebody to read the word, we lose our zealousness. You ask somebody to mop the floor, we lose our zealousness. And the whole process is that Paul says, we can be very zealous. I'm blessed. Oh, the Lord is good to me all the time. But then to know God's word, are we zealous in the word of God? Are we zealous in seeking after the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Are we zealous to know God and to walk close to him? Are we zealous in being about our father's business or just the things that concern me? Paul says... For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. We talk about motivation speakers. You don't need a motivation speaker. You just need to get into the word of God. If God's word don't motivate you to do, nothing's going to motivate you. If somehow the Holy Spirit, when you're in the word of God, if it don't excite you, if he doesn't talk to you, it's because you're dead. And you need to check something. If God's not talking to you when you're in his word, remember what scripture says. If you have not his spirit, you're what? You're none of his. God cannot desire to talk to us and then don't talk to us.
We're the ones who got to come to a point to get into his word and even pray, Lord, open my eyes. Lord, open my understanding. Lord, give me knowledge. Give me understanding. Give me wisdom from above. Lord, I'm in this passage and I'm struggling with it. But Lord, I'm going to stay in it until you speak to me. I'm going to stay with it until you make it clear to me. I'm going to stay with it, oh God. And that you begin to really search out the word of God. And don't believe that you'll hold everything in your head. In your head, you won't. You're going to have to go back to it again and again and again and again. And every time you go back to it, God will speak to you. And he'll show you something different. Go over to Acts 17. Right back over to Acts 17. In verse 11. Because God does want to speak to us. And the only reason God doesn't want to speak to us is because we close our heart. We close our mind. We close our eyes. In verse 11, chapter 17, he simply says, Now the Bereans were a more noble character than the, Thessalon- than the Thessalonians. For they received the message with great eagerness. I want you to take a look at their character. They were eager to learn. They were eager to get the information. They were eager to gather more knowledge. They were eager. They wanted to know. How many of you are eager that you're willing to put aside something else to get into the Word of God with brothers and sisters? And to... To ask the difficult question. Don't come to Bible study and be scared to ask questions. Don't come to Bible study and just sit there and let somebody lecture you. You come to be sharpened and understand what the word says. That iron sharpens what? Iron. And it really does. Even in life. We sharpen each other. Have to understand. I'll never be a great teacher if you don't push me to be. I have a job to teach, but you have a job to help cultivate me and to push me. That causes me to go do the research and to come back. But if you don't come, then who am I teaching? And what's happening to you? When you don't avail yourself to teaching in the word of God, what's happening to you? Let me ask you this question. When a person outside the church does not avail themselves to higher education out here, what happens to that person? They somewhat get what? Left behind. Because our system thrives on education, learning, and pushing forward. God's word, you will thrive on it and you will grow mature and you will mature in the word as you grow in the word. A lot of people think they're mature Christians just because they've been Christians for 20 years or more. That's not maturity. The issue is how mature are you in the word of God and how you are living it. That's the maturity. 
For there are some of us that are much older than the children, and yet the children are more mature in spiritual things than those that are older. It says that, boy, they were eager. There was an eagerness. But look what they did. And examined the scriptures every day. How many of you examine the scriptures every day? You take a look at scripture. You don't have to read a whole chapter. If you read three verses and put those three verses in your mind and go all day long gurgitating those three verses and talking to yourself about those three verses and allowing the Holy Spirit to talk to you about those three verses, you'll be surprised what will take place. Don't have to read for a half hour. The problem with most Christians, we don't even read for a minute a day. So now we got little things out. Three minutes a day with God. And maybe you don't open the book up. I want to challenge you. One minute then. One minute. Because see, with God... That one minute could become an hour. But the thing is this here. Satan has done a good job with many of us as Christians in keeping us away from the word. Why? The word is my food. The word is my life. The word is my drink. The word is what I have need of to live a godly life. The word is what I have need of to be able to stand. It is the word. But if Satan separates me from the word, I'm going to fall all over the place. As a Christian, you will be walking like a drunk man, stumbling everywhere. Because you have no directions. You have no stability. You have no uprightness about you. But when the word becomes alive in you, it straightens up the shoulders. It picks up the head. And it allows you to step out with confidence. And you're able to move forward. The rejection of the Bible. And this isn't just the unbeliever that rejects it. There's a lot of Christians who reject it. And you may say, well, I don't reject it. Well, the thing is, do you read it? And if you're not reading it, you're rejecting it. You can't do them both. Rejecting the Bible is to reject spiritual growth. Praise God that somehow he put hunger pains in us. That the child wants to eat. Because God understood that if you don't eat, you won't what? You won't develop. You won't grow properly. That same analogy is true of the word of God. If you don't eat of the word of God, you will not grow properly as a saint of God, as a child of God. If you're not in his word, you're not going to grow spiritually. You may assume that you are because you have a little knowledge. But Peter says, add to your knowledge. Add to your knowledge. So there's that continuation of adding to our knowledge. It's not enough just to be saved. 
To be saved will get you into heaven, yes. But one of the reasons I won't go to Cavs games and I won't go to certain basketball games or certain events is because the, the only ticket I'm going to buy is going to sit me way up. <laughs> and no use me going way up there because with these eyes I can't see way down there. So I'm always just sit at home and watch my TV. Where do you want to be positioned with Christ? You want to be way in the back or you want to be up close? Both are saved. I just prefer to be up close. Not way in the back. And the problem is, where do you want to be? What do you want to understand about him? How close of a relationship do you want with him? Do you really want to hear his voice? Do you really desire to seek him? Turn to 1 Peter 3, 2 Peter 3, 17. This is the only way the people of God can grow. You cannot grow any other way. In verse 17 and 18, he said in 17, Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by what? By error. Now, a lot of us as Christians, the error is, I've been through that. I've done that. I've heard that. I've read St. John. Oh, I've read Romans. Oh, I've been through the book of Ephesians. Oh, I understand Deuteronomy. I've read the whole Bible. That's great. Are you practicing it? And do you really know it? I've read the whole Bible too. I can tell you very little about it. I can remember back in school, we had to remember 100 verses and then we had to write them correctly. Address and everything. That was our exam, to write the 100 verses. You asked me today about them 100 verses. Every now and then I think about diving back into the Greek. So I got my Greek cards nicely tucked away and a little Greek thing and my four or five books on Greek. And I remember one time Elaine told me, people ain't coming to church to hear you talk about Greek. They're coming to church to hear you talk about the word. So that helped me to get myself straight. Oh boy, I thought I was something in the Greek. And he says, protect yourself against error. And the error is getting away from the word of God. He goes on at verse 18 and he says, and grow in the grace and what? Knowledge. Grow in the grace and knowledge. 
You'll never have enough knowledge about God. You'll never have enough knowledge about the Holy Spirit. You'll have, never have enough knowledge about Jesus Christ. You'll never have enough knowledge about yourself. And every time you go into the Word of God, you're going to see a little bit about yourself. You're going to have a little deeper understanding of the God that you serve. You're going to have a little bit more understanding of the working of the Holy Spirit. You're going to have a little bit more understanding about Jesus Christ and his love for you. He says, grow. Grow. Grow spiritually. And understand, when you stay away from God's word, you cannot be growing spiritually. And sad to say, you are losing ground rather than gaining ground. Because you never are able to stand still. In Christianity, either you're moving forward or you're going backwards. There's no neutral ground. You can't put yourself like the car in neutral and just be there. Satan will tear you up. <laughs> either you are moving forward and growing in the Lord or you are decreasing. And you'll find that your heart is in want, in wantingness. And you'll find your life desiring this and desiring that and want to do this and go over here and explore this. Everything but Jesus. Everything but Jesus. And that's the error that we make. When we become excited about everything else, other than the word of God about Jesus. I praise God for Vic, the praise team, the music team. I praise God for all that. But if we just had to come in here and just open up the word of God, period, would we be here? That was the early church. That's a lot of churches in Africa. That's a lot of churches in Jamaica. That's a lot of churches in Korea. No music. No. We just come, we open up the word, and we read the word, we study the word together, and we go home. Oh, that's boring. But it's what we have need of, is the word. You reject the word, you're accepting the teaching of men. Go with me to 2 Timothy there. I want you to catch something here, because Timothy is going to bring something out that I, that I think sometimes we need to really understand and wrap ourselves in. 5 through 7. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, 5 through 7. He says, Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, having have nothing to do with them. And he's talking about these people who are in error. He's talking about those who will come and try to lead you astray. He's talking about a false witness. He's talking about a heretic. He says, having a form of godliness. And a lot of people come to us with a form of godliness. People, when people come to you with their religious act and their so-called godliness, dive into the word with them. 
And they're not into the word, leave them alone. If they're not in the word and ready to talk the word with you, backpedal. <laughs> the number one books being sold are spiritual books. But what is spiritual books? All spiritual books are not about Jesus Christ. All spiritual books are not about the God in whom we believe in. They're about some type of spiritualness, yes. And a lot of people today, they just call themselves spiritual or spiritualist. That don't mean you're born again. That don't mean that you really know the Lord Jesus Christ. It means you just have a lot of spiritual garbage. He goes on, he says, They are the kind who warm their ways into the homes and gain control over weak-willed women. Now, in that day, yes, it could be the women because, boy, the women were taught of their husbands. They, were, they didn't go into the worship areas. They were not the ones being trained and taught. But let me share something. Today, we got a lot of weak-willed men. Because as men, we don't know the word of God. And that little saying, I'm kind of, boy, as men, God raised us up to be warriors. God raised us up to be protectors. God raised us up to be priests of our homes. God raised us up to be providers. God raised us up to be leaders. Today we are weak-minded. Look at our young men, because they do not have an example. And this is one of the things of the older men. And I'm right in that boat also. So don't think I'm talking about you and not talking about me. The problem with a lot of our young men is that they do not have godly examples before them. That's my fault. That's our fault. When we look at men who are eventually going to be ahead of somebody's home, they're going to be the father to somebody, the example we're setting speaks volume as we look into our young men. And there's something we have not done for our young men to be in the condition that they're in today. There's something we have not done and every one of us can carry a little bit of that responsibility. And he says, they were weak-minded, weak-willed women who are loaded down with sin and swayed by all kind of evil desires. Always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth. They're always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth there. Come on down with me a little bit further. Come down into verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know. You're convinced because what? You know. You're convinced because you know. When difficult times come, you're convinced that God is going to act because you know. When this comes up in your life and you feel confused, you know what to do. Get into the Word, then follow the Word, and act upon the Word, and step out on the Word. You know. Amen. 
that he's talking about that you know those whom from whom you have learned it. If you don't sit under someone or study with someone that you know live out the word, get away from them. Get away from them. Because people have to be willing to live out the word. Can't be like the Pharisees. Be a teacher of the word, but not a doer of the word. Do you steal, but yet you teach your student not to steal? Do you run around on your wife, but you're teaching your student not to run around? What you teach, you ought to live. Just that simple. What you teach, you ought to live. To reject the Bible is to be taught by demons. Again, you're going to be taught by somebody. The question is, who do you allow yourself to be taught? Go to 1 Timothy 4.1. You'll hear people oftentimes say, I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I did that. Well, the question is, who led you to do that? If you can answer the question, who led you to do that? then you will know why you did what you did. But oftentimes we just end. I don't know why I acted that way. I don't know why I said what I said. Well, something led you to do it. In that verse 1, he says, The Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things, what? Taught by demons. Understand something. Demons desire to teach us. Demons want to teach us. They want to teach us how to live ungodly. You need to understand that. Demons want to teach us to use profanity. Demons want to teach us how not to be patient. Demons want to teach us not to show kindness. Demons wants to teach us, let your anger fly in whatever you do. The other night, Elaine and I were watching, well, I don't watch that dumb stuff often, but one of the ladies in the daycare, one of the parents was on one of these reality shows. After watching her, we understood why her child is the way she is. And the thing is, the foolishness of her behavior on TV and cutting up the way that she did, I would be ashamed. I wouldn't want nobody in Akron to know I acted in such a manner. But now we understand the child much better because we were able to see how the mother acted. And the child is acting just like the mother. Throw her fits, go in rages, uncontrollable mouth. The same action we saw of the mother on TV we're seeing in the child. Know who's teaching you. Know what you're being taught. 
How do you know the, the truth? Yes, you want to make sure you know who's teaching you. But turn over to Titus. A couple things about Titus, because Titus is going to tell us, boy, that, hey, this is what ought to be happening. If you're getting truth, if you're getting the word of God, these things should be happening in your life. And you should feel very secure about them. Titus chapter 1, 1 and 2. Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth. God is going to give the knowledge of truth to his elect, to his people. He wants you to know truth. Not to just know it, but then to live it out. Because God knows you're going to be challenged about doing that which is right. That which is right is truth. Living righteously is living out the truth. Living holy is living out the truth. And he says, and the knowledge of the truth. One, when you're being taught, you need to distinguish whether if you are really receiving knowledge of the truth of God. Are you receiving it? It's not tickling your ears. It's not making you feel good. It may not excite you, but it is the truth of God. That somehow the word of God, exactly what it says in Hebrew, it is piercing you. It's cutting at you. It's digging into places in your life that somehow causes you to tremble. It's doing something. It's challenging your thinking. It's challenging your ways. It's challenging what you're doing. Because you're receiving knowledge of godly truth. He goes on, he says, that leads to godliness. That when you're in the word of God, if you're in there, you should see changes taking place in your life. When you camp in God's word, before anybody else recognizes it, you should recognize it. That it becomes harder for you to do this. It becomes harder for you to act this way. It becomes harder for you to go this place. That the word of God is doing something in your life personally. And it's called godliness. That you are forsaking the things of this world. And you're moving closer to God. That when you're in the word of God, not only are you receiving God's truth, but that truth is having an effect on your life. And it's changing you. And you're aware of the changing. You know, even a child understands that it's changing. Oftentimes, they don't recognize their growth daily. But finally, that child will come to mom and dad. These pants don't fit no more. These shoes don't fit no more. This shirt don't fit anymore. Any of your parents have that problem? Hey. The child know that he's what? Hey. And some of us still have that problem. We're still growing. Maybe not upward, but we're growing. Hey. And, and, and the whole process is this here. 
As a Christian, when you're in God's word, you should be able to identify you're growing. You're changing. And the reason for that change is because you're dealing with truth, godly truth. He goes on, he says, that leads a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life. That boy, I know, I know, I know, I know. See, oftentimes, what gets me about once saved, always saved, or eternal salvation, is that we're trying to convince somebody who ought to know that they're saved, that they're saved. If you're saved, I don't need to convince you of that. Who needs to know that? That's right, you do. You do. If i got to convince you that you are saved, more likely you're not saved. But see, the word of God settles that. When you're into the word, and you're in the word, the word begins to, to somehow take away all that negativeness, all that double-mindedness. That word begins to settle you that I have eternal life, that I know where I'm going, that if I am to die, I'm going to heaven. I know that I'm living for Christ. I have a hope of an eternal life, and that is a sure hope. It's not a maybe hope or, or, or a questionable hope. It is a sure hope. And the word establishes that I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. It is the word that establishes that I know that I know that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. It is the word that establishes that I know who I belong to and the relationship that I'm in with God. The word establishes it. And he says, boy, that word, it leads me on resting on the hope of eternal life. And the other thing the word begins to teach me is this here. God cannot lie. God cannot lie. That all of his promises are amen and amen. Well, he says simply here, which God who does not lie promised before the beginning of time. God doesn't lie. And then I get into his word and I live out his word and I'm testing his word in my life because I'm stepping out. Hear what Peter said. Lord, command me to come out. And then when he was commanded to come out, he acted upon it. Now I didn't say he didn't get fearful once he got out there. Why? He was doing something that was unnatural. And oftentimes you and I, we step out in faith, believing God, but then we're doing something that is what? Unnatural, and then it even shocks us. What am I doing? I'm crazy. And you'll have people very quickly come to confirm, yeah, you crazy, you out of your mind for doing that. But it's what scripture says. We are a people who walk by faith and not by sight. We're walking on the commands of God. We're walking on the promises of God. We're living out the word of God that is not understood naturally. And we need to understand that. The more you get into the word, the more stranger you will become. That people will look at you and they can't figure you out. 
They don't know why you act the way you act or why you live the way you live. Single ladies, let me share something with you. God, let him bring the man. Don't go looking for him. For the Lord says, every good and perfect gift comes from where? God sent him down from heaven. I've had too many earthly things. I want something that comes down from heaven. Hey. The dentist, when he was working on my teeth and making up my partial, when, when he put it in, I said, you know, this is something that I feel like the Lord's hands have made. He said, no, it wasn't God that made it, but he gave me the gift. <laughs> the thing is, is this here, that we hunger for what God has for us. And when you get into the word, God begins then to really minister to you right where you're at. And in his time, he has what you have need of. If you will be patient and you'll wait upon him. For the Lord says, be anxious for nothing. And that's even for a husband, for a boyfriend, for a date, for this, for that, for extra money, for this. Be anxious for nothing. But take everything to prayer. And let God's timing work. God has a timing that is far superior to our timing. Let God do it. If he's promised it, he will bring it to pass. If God has spoken it to you in your heart, he'll do it. Why? Because God is not a liar. What is meant by the word of God? These closing areas in the last ten minutes. What is meant by the word of God? When we say the word of God, what are we saying? First of all, we need to understand that the word itself is a vehicle that is used only to communicate from mind to mind. So we use words that I can express my thoughts to you. And you can express your thoughts, what? To me. And we need to understand that. Words are only used to express thoughts and to communicate with when we say the word of God, we are saying this is the designated means which God uses to convey to us his thoughts, the thoughts of his heart. That God is speaking to us. So the written word is that which God is using to convey to us his thoughts into our minds and our hearts. God has spoken to us in order that we may know. We do God like we do a lot of people. Here's the Bible. Here I am in my house. We ignore it. We do people that way, don't we? God wants to say something, but we ignore him. We just walk past him all day long. Never opening up to see what he might want to say to us. God wants to speak to us. 
He wants to speak to us. His word in Revelation 12, 6 says, Boy, it is finer than gold or silver. That God's word is pure. And what he is saying, that his word is honest. His word is trustworthy and straightforth. Like the American Indian said about men, we speak with broken heart. And oftentimes when we speak, and we can even promise, but we don't fulfill the promise. God's word is pure. And is better than fine silver or gold. And the psalmist says that because I study God's word and I follow his statutes and his commands, that I am more wiser than my teachers. Because I'm in the word. I'm in the word. Now, revelation is nothing but a word that means revealing. And God, through his word, reveals himself, but more than that, he reveals you. He shows you what you really are and yet what his plan is for you and what he desires you to be. For the heart is deceitfully wicked and who can know it but God. And God's going to reveal your heart. God's going to reveal your very intentions. He's going to reveal your attitudes. He's going to reveal your anger. God's going to reveal things about you and me that we don't like when we're in the Word. Because God wants us to see it. And then He corrects it. So He gives us revelation. He reveals to us the truth. It is God's revealing something which is beforehand really not known or understood. And there's so much we don't understand about ourselves. But as we get into the Word, we'll begin to understand ourselves. We'll begin to see ourselves. A lot of people don't like themselves. But when they get into the Word and understand God loves them, that changes their attitude about themselves. The purpose of God is granting us revelation is simply to impart knowledge to us. To impart knowledge to us. Why? We need knowledge. We need knowledge about our finances, how to handle our finances. If we're in God's word, he's going to teach us how to handle the finances. He's going to show us a picture of the ant, that the ant is always busy gathering. Okay. He's going to let us understand that riches just don't fall down from heaven, but we put away what? Little by little by little. He teaches us how to shop around for the best deals because he'll give us favor. That's why he tells us, don't be anxious for anything because if you'll just wait on it, God will bless. God will do it. Okay. With husband and wife, boy, he'll teach you how to forgive each other. And he'll even teach you how to communicate with each other. We are very, very poor individuals when it comes to relationships. Because relationships for us is basically on what can I get from the other person. It's not based on what I can give to the other person. 
And God brings us to a place to understand that we are to give to the other person. And in our giving, we also open the door up for receiving. But we're very poor in relationships. That's why a lot of people don't have a lot of relationships with other people. Most of it because they're scared that they're going to be taken advantage of. And oftentimes they're just frightened because, boy, it's better sometimes to live in this world rather than have relationships and be hurt by other people. And God begins to teach us. That's my sister over there. That's my brother over there. It's not just another individual. They are related. They're in the family of God. They have the same blood that I have, the blood of Jesus Christ. They have the same spirit that I have. And it's just not another person. It's my sister. It's my brother in the Lord. He begins to educate me that we are a family and how we are to function. Go to Jeremiah chapter 1. Nine through twelve. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. Understand something. God wants his words to be where at? In your mouth. He wants his words to be in your mouth. For that when you speak, you're speaking words of encouragement. You're speaking words of kindness. You're speaking words as his ambassador. You're speaking words of favor to other people. You're speaking words that empower people. You're speaking words that will also correct people. You're speaking words that give wisdom to people. You're speaking words that give understanding to people. You give, you're speaking words that help people come out of darkness and into light. He says, I want my word in your mouth. And he says, then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appointed you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down and destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. How, how am I going to do all that? The word. The word. The word. The word. That God has given unto him. He goes a little further. He says. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see Jeremiah? I see the branch. Of an almond tree, I replied. And the Lord said to him, You have seen correctly. After he gives it to him, he gives him a test. The test is now, what do you see? Understand this when the word is in you, it will cause you to see differently. When the word is in you, it causes you to see differently. You see the world differently. And the Lord said, Jeremiah, you spoke correctly. You spoke correctly. This is what you see. 
And God said, you spoke correctly. Go to 1 Timothy 3. I'll be back over the New Testament. What's important about this word for us? We get ready to close out here with this. With second, with First Thessalonians two thirteen, we'll be done. But in three sixteen, he simply says, "Let me get there." Is it Second Timothy? I want Second Timothy. Go to Second Timothy. He says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for what? Teaching. That whenever I'm in God's word, I'm being taught by the Holy Spirit, who's the teacher. If I'm not in the word, I'm not in his classroom. But whenever I get into the word, I'm sitting in his classroom. I need to understand that. If I'm not opening up the book, I'm not sitting in his classroom. But the moment I open up the word of God, I'm sitting in the classroom of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to teach me. He rebukes and he corrects. He's going to say, hey, this is where you're wrong at. But this is how you ought to be doing this. And what oftentimes that keeps us away from the word is that we know the word will correct us and we don't want to be what? Corrected. We rather live in a rebellious state than be corrected. Because if you get into the word, you're going to be corrected. And then he says, and training in righteousness. Who wants to go through boot camp? None of us. But he says, I'm going to train you in righteousness. That when you get into the word of God, he's training you. And sometimes we get tired of being what? Trained. But he has a purpose for it. He states the purpose in verse 17. So that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. He's training you. For marriage. He's training you to handle finances. He's training you to deal with relationships. He's training you how to come under an employer. He's training you how to be a husband. He's training you how to be a wife. He's training you how to be active in your community. He's training you. He's constantly training us for all good works last verse 1 Thessalonians 2.13 he simply says and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God which was heard from us you accepted it not as the words of men but as it actually is the word of God. When you read it, do you read it as, oh, Paul wrote this, Peter wrote this, oh, Mark wrote this, John wrote this. 
That's true. God used these men. But it is actually the word of God. It's actually the word of God. Yes, you can take as many universities have done. This is only a history book. It's a philosophy book. So in philosophy, there are parts of the Bible you have to study. It is a history book. They cannot deny that. So it's okay to say it's a history book, it's a philosophy book, but it's wrong to say it is the word of God. Because to say that it is the word of God then challenges every man on what is truth. Because if this is really the word of God, then it is the truth of God speaking to man. And it is the guidebook for every man, not just some, but for everyone. Amen? Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, that your word is true. And that you've called us, O oh God, to live out your word. You've called us, O oh God, to be a people of God who will allow you to direct our path as you